It's a privilege to be back here in the church again this Sunday. I often sit right back toward the back, uh, and it's nice to be here uh, seeing you from this angle this week. I'm grateful to Alec in the session for the invitation to assist with worship this day and to work with a good friend and colleague, Fred Rose, who's a wonderful pastor. Fred, welcome once again. Uh, the children's sermon was just so exceptional, I'm tempted not to do the sermon, <laughs> but not that tempted. Let us hear God's word to us as we read John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 24 through 35, and how the Spirit will speak to us this day. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of the Lord. Last Sunday, Alec's sermon focused on the kingdom of God. Amid feelings of sadness, fear, and anger, we may wonder where this kingdom is, and if this kingdom is, and whether it is a reality for which we must continue to wait. Today's message builds upon last week's message, although Alec and I did not coordinate our messages last Sunday and this Sunday. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, which was Alec's New Testament text last week, Jesus announces that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. I imagine that as those listening to this proclamation looked around them, they did not see anything different. They did not hear anything different. In fact, things pretty much looked the same. Perhaps they did not listen carefully to what Jesus had said to them, Perhaps they wanted to hear that the kingdom of God is here right now in a way that would instantaneously and automatically transform their lives. But it was not there. Not yet. Not fully. It was near, but it was not there. And so they had to continue to watch for it 
as it would over time draw more and more near to them. Our Exodus reading this morning points to a similar reality, it seems. The people of God have been liberated from bondage in Egypt. They have crossed the Red Sea. And they have assumed that in leaving Egypt, they have stepped or soon will step right into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance in which they will experience comfort and joy, a land that looks like a land of promise, the kingdom of God in which God reigns. But they got anything but that. A month and a half after their departure from Egypt, they felt lost. They were wandering. And their life was hard as they lived from day to day, or as some might say, from hand to mouth. Their patience was wearing thin. And I imagine that they were afraid, that they were scared, that they were terrified. As their fear increased, they felt no joy in being liberated from Egypt. Their experience was one of scarcity and not abundance as they had anticipated and as they had been promised. And so quickly they're losing their patience with Moses and Aaron, their leaders, and so they cry out, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. During this prolonged period of transition, the people of God were very attentive to their dashed hopes, to their breaking spirit, and to their diminished hope. God's kingdom, that that place of abundance and promise, was nowhere in sight. And so they cried out. In response, God said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. Did you catch it? Did you hear God's response in a way that got your attention? God said, I am going to rain bread from heaven. Rain bread. One of our recent seminary trustees, Steve Eason, pastor and head of staff at Myers Park Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, spoke on this passage, which is one of today's lectionary passages, on our campus last fall. He called our attention to the particular phrasing of God's response and encouraged us to pay much closer attention as we read this text rather than rushing through what seems to be familiar. God says... I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. Have you ever heard the verb rain with the noun bread before? Have you ever seen or heard these words used together? Probably not. We knead bread. We bake bread. We slice bread. We toast bread. We butter bread. We serve bread. We eat bread. But we don't rain bread. No one rains bread until Exodus 16, that is. Surely that would get the attention of the Israelites in the wilderness. Surely they would see the power and presence of God in their midst. 
Surely their hope and confidence would grow as they were reassured that their journey was going somewhere. Surely they would believe once again that the kingdom of God was near. Not present, but near. In the morning, the passage tells us there was a layer of dew around the encampment of the people of Israel. When the layer of dew lifted, there was on the surface of the wilderness a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. Note the powerful contrast. Rained bread on the surface of a barren wilderness. When the Israelites saw it, they asked, what is it? They did not know, they did not have a clue what it was. Moses responded, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. In other words, it's rained bread. The reading from John's gospel offers an intriguing perspective when paired with the passage from Exodus. First, to place this Johannine scripture in context. The beginning of chapter 6 in John's gospel tells of the story of the feeding of 5,000 people. Passover, the Jewish feast that commemorates God's deliverance of the Jews from bondage in Egypt, is near. That festival celebrates God's saving acts. That festival is a festival of hope, hope born of anticipation that God will deliver God's people from situations of bondage, oppression, brokenness, despair, and sinfulness. Jesus goes up on the mountain and sits with his disciples. A large crowd is approaching. Jesus takes five loaves and two fish, gives thanks, and distributes the food to the crowd. And there are leftovers. That evening, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat and cross the sea to Capernaum. The next day, the crowd sees that Jesus and his disciples have left. They've departed by boat, and so they depart to Capernaum, looking for Jesus, wanting more bread. The dialogue that follows suggests to me that they do not understand what really happened that previous day on the mountain when Jesus fed them with a few loaves and fish. Their first question, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered, you're looking for me because you are hungry. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. Question number two. What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in me. Questions 3a and 3b. What sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe in you? What work are you performing? And they continue, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus answered, It was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. To which they say, Sir, give us that bread always. And Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
This gathered crowd missed the point. They missed the sign. They missed the revelation of good news on the mountain. Just like they miss it in this story is evident in the passages that follow. Just like their ancestors missed it so long ago in the wilderness. And just like we often miss it ourselves. When I was 12 years old, I went through confirmation class at First Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, which was my home church. Before being confirmed, I was one of three confirmands who were baptized. You see, my mother had grown up in a small southern Baptist church in a small town in central North Carolina. Her own experience of baptism as a young teenager was so powerful that she wanted my older sister, my older brother, and me to have similar life-changing, perspective-altering experiences. True, she had become a Presbyterian by the time we were born. She and my father had decided to join a Presbyterian church, the tradition of my father, before they got married. But she was still, in so many ways, a good Southern Baptist. After the service in which I was baptized and confirmed, we had a special Sunday dinner at my family's home. And then she asked it, So do you feel any different? My heart sank. And I lowered my fork as I responded, I don't think so. After all, she had such a look of hope and anticipation in her eyes, and I did not want to disappoint her. Each week we come to worship. We gather to sing hymns of praise, to confess our sins and brokenness, to hear God's word read and sung and proclaimed, and to pray. And each month we come to this communion table, the Lord's table, to be fed, to receive the bread of heaven, the bread of life. And then we leave the table. And I wonder, has anything changed? Has anything changed within us? Has anything changed around us? Or have we missed it? God's amazing love. God's abundant grace. God's faithful presence. God's awesome power. God's emerging kingdom, which is near, increasingly near, but we're not there yet. Along the way, as we live through wilderness moments or in comfortable places, it is so easy to be distracted. It is easy to look for the flesh pots we have enjoyed in the past and perhaps present and to miss the sustaining bread that God rains from heaven. It is easy to be distracted, to look for the good bread to fill our bellies today and to miss the bread of life that may be overlooked among well-shaped and sizable loaves. It is so easy to be distracted look for ways in which we can grow in our faith, individually and as a church, and to miss the crowds that are hungry, in fact starving, for a taste of God's love, for a taste of God's grace, for a taste of God's presence, for a taste of God's power, for a foretaste of God's emerging kingdom in their own lives. In a little while, we will return to this table, as we often do. But today, we will see a set of contrasting loaves that are set before us. Some of this bread, these six loaves, look really tasty. Certainly, this bread would taste great, be healthy for us, and sustain us for a day 
or at least for part of a day. Some of this bread is more simple, or so it seems. We think of it as the bread of life, bread that will sustain us, period. As we eat this bread and as we drink from this cup, will anything change? Will anything change within us? Will anything change around us? I wonder. Let us pray. You feed us in so many ways, O God, and for your feeding we give you thanks. For the ways in which our families and friends feed us, for the ways in which our church and faith feed us, for the ways in which your spirit and risen Savior feed us, for community of faith, for opportunities to pray, for scripture, for table, for baptismal font, for all of these things that feed us, O God, we give you thanks. And so as we receive this nourishment that comes to us this day from your loving and graceful hand, make us full. Help us taste the abundance of simplicity. And well-fed, let us take our lives and faith into the world that we may be instruments of your feeding, people who hunger and thirst for your grace and love and kingdom. For these things we ask in the name of Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.